Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a weekly podcast focusing on e-commerce topics featuring interviews with prominent people in the e-commerce space. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations by Practical E-Commerce. My name is Kerry Murdoch. We've recently asked e-commerce merchants to share their 2011 experiences, good or bad, with us. For this installment, we are joined by Jamie Salvatore. He is the founder and owner of VAT19, an established e-commerce business that sells unique gift items. He speaks with us about how his company fared in 2011. Well, Jamie, thank you for your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Jamie, we uh, always enjoy visiting with you. Of course, you're a blogger, a monthly blogger on our site. Uh, we appreciate your insightful blog post. Uh, the purpose of this interview is to do a recap of 2011 from an e for, for your e-commerce business, uh, your business, vat19.com. It sells unique gifts, uh, gift gifts and gifts items out of your home base there in Missouri. And my first question for you, Jamie, is how was 2011 for VAT19? Uh, 2011 was good. Um, we had a great time. We found um, a lot of really cool products to add to our site. Um, we were able to increase our staff a little bit, which went along with, you know, some... Um, healthy increases in sales and profits. So uh, overall, we had a good 2011. Can you tell us? Can you tell us the percent how your business improved without disclosing monetary amounts? Can you tell us the percentage of growth that you had, perhaps in top line revenue? Sure. Um, our uh, number of orders. Um, went up maybe about 65% over the previous year. Our average order size stayed about the same, um, and that was able to help us translate into a, approximately a 100% increase in profit over last year. That is a wonderful accomplishment. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's, uh, they're smaller numbers, so it's easier to make big increases on smaller numbers than much than, than really big numbers, you know. Well, that's that's a that's a great that's a great accomplishment. Uh, you mentioned you incre you increased your SK your inventory count SKU count. What are, do you do? You disclose how many uh, inventory items you stock there? Um, well, we everything that we sell on our website we stock in our facility, mm -hmm. and um, the number of SKUs I'm not 
entirely uh, certain. You know, the the, the very I, I'm not sure. Uh, let me cut over there for a second. You know, variations of products such as color or size differences. I'm not entirely sure how many of those we added, but sort of top level products would probably have been about 120 new items. So we don't add, you know. Um, sort of at this ferocious pace, how many new products can we add to the website? We, um, because we take, take kind of a different approach in terms of really putting a lot of effort into how we promote each product we sell in terms of taking a lot of our own photographs, writing our own description, creating a video from almost every product that we sell. Uh, that pace of you know two or a little bit more than two a week is pretty good for us. Um, and I think that brings us to about maybe 400 or a little over 400 products, top-level products on the site. I described your products in uh, a minute ago as unique gift items. I believe that's the term you use on your site. Uh, give us some examples. Just give our listeners some examples of the type of products you sell, maybe some of your best-selling products. Sure. Well, we like to call our products, quote-unquote, curiously awesome, and what that means is just exactly what you said, sort of unique gift items, stuff that you might not find everywhere, stuff that is fun, functional, and has that unique gift factor to it, and something that you're going to give to somebody, and that person's going to kind of go, whoa, I've never seen that before, that's, that's crazy. Some examples um, of that, or some of our most popular from this past season, um, one that was... Uh, really popular is called the guitar pick punch and it's imagine it's sort of a stapler um, but you take it to old credit cards or old ID cards sort of old stuff that's made out of plastic and you just sort of punch it like a stapler and it punches out guitar picks um, kind of a wild <laughs> little product but I mean we couldn't keep those um, in stock that that was crazy um, another product that was super popular was a knitted hat, um, like a knitted sort of stocking cap, but then it also has a knitted like beard attachment. Uh, <laughs> you kind of have to see a picture of it, um, but it sort of makes it look like you're wearing a beard. I mean, it's kind of silly. Uh, we weren't totally certain when we started selling it if it was going to be popular, and we couldn't keep them in stock. I mean, it's just they just flew out the door. So it's always fun to add new products and not know how they're going to do and then watch something kind of crazy on those are, those are fun examples you uh you mentioned profits uh profits really grew 100 uh, percent profit growth in 2011 any any mistakes any decisions you made in 2011 that you wish now you wouldn't have made hmm. most of the time um the sort of regret is oh that really thing that we found out that we were doing well we should have started that way earlier or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. um, or we should have made you know more of that decision or something um, I can't pinpoint anything specifically where it was where we said oh that was really stupid but more well we came up with some interesting ideas and I wish we would have started that way earlier and I can give you a, a couple examples sort of um, we get a lot of our traffic from YouTube, and I just feel like we should have uh, done more earlier with YouTube in terms of we started a second channel on YouTube late this year, and 
we never thought anybody would be interested sort of in the behind the scenes of how we make our videos and we put up a couple of them and people were just sort of clamoring begging for more of that and so we should have sort of been doing that all along um, I also feel like we got into Twitter really late we just never really kind of bothered with it until you know I'm almost ashamed to say like four or five months ago where we started really uh, putting more effort into what we're doing on Twitter so those are some things that I kind of wish we had done earlier you mentioned YouTube opening a second channel on YouTube uh, what is what is that? Well, you know, we've got a primary channel on YouTube, and there's really no distinction as far as YouTube is concerned between sort of your primary channel and your second channel. That's just sort of uh, something that people, you know, YouTube uh, content creators have sort of created. So uh, our primary channel, it's just a regular channel on YouTube, has all of our product videos, basically commercials for the products that we sell. And so anybody that subscribes to that channel is just being notified when we create new uh, product commercials. Then we created this sort of second channel where we only upload into that channel um, behind-the-scenes or blooper reel type of stuff from the product uh, videos that we've created. So if somebody is kind of a fan and wants to know more or is really interested in what we're doing, they could sort of also subscribe to this second channel and be notified when we create more of those videos and um, we're taking content that's sort of already there I mean these are bloopers or kind of behind the scenes footage that we already kind of have and we're being able to sort of create more value there uh, fans get I don't know more of a connection with us um, and it just allows more people to find us on YouTube and also you know somebody's searching for something on YouTube that we happen to sell, well, now we have two videos that could show up in those results as opposed to just one. It's an interesting idea. Let's shift gears just for a sec, Jamie, and talk about the sort of the nuts and bolts, the back end of your business. If we could, uh, tell us a little bit about your platform and your order, order fulfillment process, accounting systems, that sort of thing. Okay, well, I'll start with the easiest stuff. Uh, with accounting, we just use QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. um, for order fulfillment, um, we actually use um, sort of a custom piece of software that we made, but it's not that complicated. Um, in addition to some um, stuff provided by your sort of regular vendors or whatever. So um, for we only right now process, we only ship via UPS and the post office. For the post office, we use um, Dazzle by Indicia to print out all of our um, our labels for the post office. For UPS, we use their API. They have a ship API that lets you create your own shipping labels. Mm -hmm. So that's how we create all of our labels. And as far as sort of physically doing um, our fulfillment, um, I don't know how detailed somebody would want to know about this, but we just use a, a batch picking process, which means we take all of our orders and we break them down into sort of manageable batches of, you know, 50 orders at a time. Um, and we have a list that has all of the items that go into those 50 orders, pick all of those items off our shelves, put them on the carts, and then from those carts, we fulfill each of the individual orders from that batch. Uh, everything is 
barcoded. So we use, you know, uh, UPC barcodes to make sure that the right product is going into the right box. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of uh, how we handle the, uh, the fulfillment aspect of things. What about your platform itself, your shopping cart? Uh, that was also um, something that we wrote ourselves, but, um, you know, there's nothing in there that's too, um, that you couldn't find in off-the-cart uh uh, I mean, off-the-shelf software. The only reason we made it ourselves is because I happen to have a background in computer science, and so uh, I just started developing it because um, when you're starting a business, you don't want to spend money where you don't have to. And back when I was starting, a lot of the shopping carts wanted a piece of the transaction or their fee scale based on how many transactions you were doing. I didn't like that idea, so I started making my own. But there's nothing that I've really got that you couldn't get from any of the major shopping cart suppliers or even some of the free open source ones. When did you launch? You referred to back when you launched. When was that? Well, um, we... Let's see. We started uh, selling stuff online in 2003, uh, but we were selling just a small subset of products and didn't really get into being a full-time e-commerce company until 2007. So there was about three years we were selling some stuff online, but our business was also doing some service-based stuff. Jamie, let's switch gears one more time and talk about marketing for your business. Having read your blog post for us, uh, the e-commerce corner office, of course, is the name of your blog, Well, and I, I think I know some of your marketing Ideas. Those are always fun posts to read. Uh, but for purposes of this interview, let's talk about marketing. How do you how do you get customers to your sites? What methods do you use to get customers to your sites? This is the hardest thing to do in the world is to get people to come to your website. Um, we've probably tried everything, and everything works. It's just a question of how well those things work and how much you have to pay for those things in terms of time or money. Right now, our most effective way to get people to our site is via our YouTube um, channel and our videos. We found that to be, uh, to work pretty well. But we've also had success trying uh, search engine optimization techniques. Obviously, those are free in terms of money, but not in terms of time. There's a lot of time involved there, and in my opinion, um, you you got to find that point where you just say, stop, you know. <laughs> uh, this extra 10 hours spent on search engine optimization is going to have, like, such a tiny effect, and Google might change their mind three months down the road, and it will maybe have a negative effect or no effect in the future. So you really got to temper how much you spend on that SEO. You, you can go nuts. Um, pay-per-click has been something that we've always done, and it's always worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. The only problem that we've ever found with pay-per-click is that it can't scale enormously well. You know, um, uh, you can't necessarily command more people to search the terms that are converting well for you. So mm-hmm. if you kind of tapped out a search term that's working well for you, how do you increase that? You, you can't. I mean, you can you can tweak as much as you want to maybe get some tiny increases in uh, the click-through rate, maybe some tiny increases in your conversion rate, but rarely are you going to be able to tweak that ad text, um, you know, once it's 
fairly optimized to the point where it's like, boom, you can double your click-through rate on a pay-per-click campaign. So you got to kind of, um, you know, we do that, but it's, it, it, you know, it reaches a maximum at some point. Also for us, the type of products that we sell are some are supposed to be somewhat unique. So people don't necessarily kind of know that they exist. So pay-per-click is a little, um, uh, it's sort of hit or miss for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, other ways that we get people to our site is, you know, through uh, social means, Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Facebook, we have a lot of fun with it. It's a fun way to connect with your fan base and all that, but really you're not going to see a huge conversion rate from uh, Facebook. Um, you're not going to see a lot of people jumping from posts that you put on there that might have a link to your website to then convert. I think Facebook can be a little sort of like people, you know, it's like you just kind of get like sucked into Facebook and it's hard to get, it's hard to pull someone out of Facebook to go really do anything else. They might jump over, look at your page, but really they're Facebooking. So they mm-hmm. jump back right away and, and go back to, you know, going through their all their wall posts and stuff. So uh, it, that can be a difficult task to sort of do direct marketing or direct sales through Facebook. So if you kind of know what, what you can get out of it, um, then you can have some fun with it, increase engagement with your, you know, customers, um, maybe promote, you know, contests or ideas or sales or, you know, stuff like that. But it could be really difficult to just sort of view Facebook like it's another Google with, you know, another pay-per-click. I, I know that they have advertising options on there. We've tried their stuff. Um, conversion rates are dismal. You really aren't going to be able to make a lot of money trying to get your Facebook ads to send people right to your site and get them to buy something. You'll have a little bit more success getting your Facebook ads to get them to like your fan page, but you got to decide how much that's worth paying for. We've We've discussed uh, lately internally, Jamie, here at Practical E-Commerce, we've been discussing daily deal sites. We've reported on some daily deal issues uh, recently. Have you tried daily deal offers like a Groupon or Living Social or your own daily deals? Um, I have not tried any of the daily deal sites, um, and I don't intend to. I'm not a fan of their business model at all um, and I don't think I intend to try their concept is that it's a marketing expense or something like that and um, in my opinion um, I think it's a disaster for a traditional retailer if you offer some sort of service a recurring service I don't know your massage studio or something like that I think it could uh, make sense but from my opinion daily deal site is flawed in a lot of ways. One, it trains people that use your daily deal site that your stuff is worth half what it really is. So that person that gets it at a huge discount probably isn't going to come back and full pay full price later. Why should they? They got it at half off before. It's also sending a message to your existing customers, your current customers that have paid full price that they missed out and why weren't you know why did they have to pay double I I just don't like that 
you know, concept. Um, and then the Daily Deal sort of their, you know, their pitch is that, well, you know, you get 500 new customers. Those new customers, some percentage of them are going to come back later and buy full price. I, I just don't, I don't buy that. And um, you have now just, if you get 500 new customers, you've probably spent, I don't know, $5,000 to get those customers. And they're just people that like coupons and getting good deals. So I don't, I see no value in it whatsoever. I, I get offered it all the time and I turn them all down. I think it's a, Terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we appreciate your views there. Uh, what about this year, 2012? What are you, what are you thinking about for 2012? Do you have initiatives you're working on, plans that you can tell us about? Well, you know, um, our plans are to continue doing the stuff that's been working for us, um, trying to find the cool products that we think people like. Um, trying to um, create more videos, increase the frequency at which we turn out our videos um, for YouTube. Um, there's small little things that we're looking at doing on our website, little features. We're going to add gift cards this year to our website. But there's nothing really um, fundamental or sweeping that we're going to be changing in terms of our business model. We just hope to do uh, more of what we've um, been doing, something that no one would see but something that we're doing behind the scenes is that um, we're physically expanding our building. We're adding 10,000 square feet of warehouse to our facility so that we can um, get our fulfillment operations to be even more efficient than they are now and possibly extend our window, meaning right now if you order by 2 p.m., we ship the same day. We're hoping that maybe we can push that a little later into the day once we've added this uh, space onto our building. So. Those are some of the things that we're excited about. Our listeners, as you know, are e-commerce merchants. Other other merchants, uh, most of them will not as large as your business. Any other any parting thoughts for them, Jamie? Before we before we hang up here, um, doing this or any other business is extremely difficult, and there's no magic bullet in my experience you just got to keep grinding this thing out and uh you know it's just it's it's an everyday grind and you just keep going after it and um don't um my other thing that i think about a lot is um don't mimic amazon i in my opinion um i know that they're the biggest e-commerce store in the world but um they're not an extremely profitable store uh, despite their huge revenue. So be careful how much you want to copy what they're doing because if you can't make a lot of money in in the billions of revenue, uh, when are you going to? And if you're a much smaller store, you got to think a lot differently than what they do. Good advice. Well, for purposes of our listeners, we've been visiting with Jamie Salvatore. Jamie is the founder and owner of VAT19.com, a very innovative e-commerce site. That's at VAT, that's V as in Victor, A, T as in Tom, the number one and the number nine, VAT19.com. And Jamie Salvatore, 
we want to thank you for your time today, sir. You're welcome. Thank you very much. That's all the time we have for this week's e-commerce conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for another new episode.